Look out. Sanders, he breaks another one, goes to the outside. Sanders at the 30. Sanders at the 10. Touchdown, Sanders. A cowboy. Fields, Bay, corner. Rashawn Woods got a ball. Touchdown, Oklahoma State. Pulled it on Barrett straight. Woods coming down with it. I should have been a cowboy. Scrambles now, fires to the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Some people call me the space cowboy. First down to 10 to 32. Mason Rudolph firing down the field, he's got host of Locked On Pokes on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Thrilled to get started here on Locked On Pokes covering Oklahoma State, not just football as the other sports get fired up. We'll get into those as well. Obviously right now football is king, so that is where we will spend most of our time. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell, where I'll be bringing you all of my thoughts on Oklahoma State and much, much more, as well as sending out links every day to this podcast as we keep things rolling here on Locked on Pokes. A lot of you probably know me from my time with 1077 The Franchise in Oklahoma City, where I covered Oklahoma State uh, for a little more than five years. And prior to that, I was a student at Oklahoma State, majoring in sports media, uh, journalism, and broadcasting. And I covered uh, all sports at Oklahoma State while I was a student there. So I've been covering Oklahoma State for the better part of eight years here in my young career. And now I will be bringing you all of that Pokes coverage right here in one place on the Locked on Pokes podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, football is king. So let's go ahead and get this thing rolling, talking about the big win over Kansas State on Saturday in Stillwater. Uh, and when you look at that game on Saturday, I think you have to start with the Oklahoma State defense because that's what won Oklahoma State the game. The Oklahoma State defense was as dominant as we've seen an Oklahoma State defense be in a long time. And, and look, I understand that this was not a spread offense that Oklahoma State was having to chase all around the field. This was Skylar Thompson and Kansas State, a team that wants to slow you down, a team that wants to run the ball. So this is a different attack than what Oklahoma State is going to be seeing uh, throughout a large portion of this season. So while I don't think this game is an indicator that all of a sudden Oklahoma State has a, a lockdown defense, I do think that they deserve all the credit for adjusting to their opponent going out and stopping their opponent from doing what they wanted to do. Kansas State wants to, as Mike Gundy said after the game on Saturday, they want to push you around, they want to punch you in the mouth, and they want to make you like it. And Oklahoma State didn't allow that to happen on Saturday night in Stillwater. Kansas State only had one first down in the first half. They, they were unable to run the ball with any success. Skylar Thompson, when the run game is not going, he's not built to throw it all over the yard. The, the thing that impressed me most, though, Saturday against Kansas State was, uh, one, discipline on the defense. Uh, you, you know, Defensively, if guys get out of their gaps against a team like Kansas State, that's when big plays happen. That, that's what we saw last year when Oklahoma State and Kansas State played. It, it was a lack of discipline defensively, 
And another thing, whenever you're facing a team that wants to run the ball 50 times a game, you've got to be able to tackle. You, you, you can't be missing tackles. And Oklahoma State didn't on Saturday. I, I just I can't remember the last time an Oklahoma State defense tackled as well as that defense tackled Saturday night. They just were not allowing Kansas State to get any yards after contact, and that's huge whenever you're playing against a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez, who's kind of making everything go in the middle, but, but that front seven was a huge concern for Oklahoma State coming into the season, and there are a lot of guys who played really well. Those linebackers, Amen Ogbong Bamiga, which is just absolutely one of the most fun names in all of college football to say. He's been fantastic, uh, been leading the defense every week. Uh, you know, he was playing with a cast on, I believe it was his left hand this week from an injury he sustained in practice. Looked like he was sporting a club out there. Still did a great job. Trey Sterling has been phenomenal. Getting Israel Antwine back uh, is big for Oklahoma State. So those guys have been great. And then Rodarius, and, uh, Rodarius Williams and A.J. Green, who I've challenged to be better as they've gotten older, they were on Saturday night. One of the big reasons Skylar Thompson didn't throw the ball very well he didn't have anywhere to throw it. I mean, A.J. Green and Rodarius Williams uh, were stuck to their guys like glue. So it was one of the better nights I've seen from the Oklahoma State defense in quite a while. And I think all the credit is due. I, I don't want to do the whole, well, Kansas State must not be that good thing. J just because Oklahoma State dominated them, Kansas State went and beat Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. Mississippi State, not a juggernaut. Got rolled by Auburn on Saturday. I get that. But Kansas State still went down there and did what they wanted to do and dictated the game, played pretty well in a win on the road against Mississippi State. And this is a Kansas State team that I still think is going to win games in the Big 12 Conference. You look at their game this week against Baylor, Kansas State's a two-point favorite this week against a Baylor team that just beat Iowa State. So Chris Kleiman knows how to win. This Kansas State team is going to win games uh, this year in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, so good job by the defense Saturday night against Kansas State. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, how can we not start with Chuba Hubbard and the monster night that he had on Saturday against Kansas State? 296 rushing yards for Chuba on Saturday. Uh, and it felt like more. It nearly was more uh, as they were trying. It seemed like to get him to 300 right there at the end. But 25 carries, 296 yards a long of 84 yards. And Chuba Hubbard, I, I think a little perspective is necessary when we're talking about what a historic season Chuba Hubbard is having. Chuba right now has 284 more rushing yards than the nation's number two rusher. 284. Number two rusher in the country is J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State, who's widely regarded as one of the best backs in the country. And he is. He's one of the best backs in the country. But 284 yards is the gap between number one, Chuba Hubbard, and number two, J.K. Dobbins. To go 284 more yards down the list, you would have to go to 43rd place in the country. So the gap from Chuba to J.K. Dobbins is the same as the gap from J.K. Dobbins to number 43 in the country. So, uh, I mean, you look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, widely regarded as one of, if not the best back, in college football. He's number seven on this list. And, you know, that's with a, a huge day he had against Michigan, one of their better opponents, a couple of weeks ago in that big win. So uh, Chuba Hubbard and what he's doing ha has been absolutely unbelievable. And the offense really runs 
through Chuba. He's he allows uh, you know Spencer Sanders and everything else going on on the offense. All that is set up by what Chuba does because the defense has to be so concerned about him getting loose that now it frees up other things in your offense. Uh, and I was worried about the running game shutting down, missing both of your tackles. You know, you're, you're missing both of your tackles. That's not a good situation. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago whenever Oklahoma State uh, was missing both of its tackles against, uh, I believe it was TCU, not both of its tackles. It was the right tackle and the right guard in a game against TCU. And it didn't go well for Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State was pretty much run off its home field because they couldn't block up front. This year, uh, and huge credit to Charlie Dickey for this, you lose both of your tackles and the offensive line comes out, and that offensive line did not miss a beat. Yeah, it was in 2017. It was uh, the week after Oklahoma State, Mason Rudolph, James Washington, those guys went up and dominated Pittsburgh 59-21. The following week, Oklahoma State lost at home to TCU, derailing the high expectations for the season. They lost that game 44-31 to in large part because the offensive line could not block because they were missing a couple starters. Huge shout-out to Charlie Dickey and those guys on the offensive line. Uh, they did a great job. We'll talk more about Chuba as we keep things rolling here on Locked On Pokes on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, We need to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side. After the break, we'll continue to talk about Chuba, and we'll take a look at how Spencer Sanders can improve in his first season running the Cowboy offense. Keep listening to Locked On Pokes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to tell everyone about Vivid Seats. You can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. Welcome back to the Locked On Pokes podcast. I am your host, Colby Powell, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you head over to Twitter and follow me at Colby J. Powell. I'll be giving you Oklahoma State news and opinions, predictions, things of that nature throughout the season as we get into basketball and the spring sports as well, we've got it all covered here on Locked On Pokes on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're breaking down Oklahoma State's 26-13 win over Kansas State on Saturday at Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, and by the way, all the stuff they did in the stadium for Boone was pretty cool. The, the band uh, was Boone. They kept showing, uh, when I say the band was Boone, I mean at halftime they spelled out Boone on the field with the band. Uh, they had videos of Boone talking at Oklahoma State whenever, you know, the the expansion of the stadium was being commissioned a decade and a half ago, and just a lot of great tributes uh, to Boone at the game on Saturday. So shout out to the people uh, who who made all of that happen uh, and did such a great job honoring the ultimate cowboy, Boone Pickens. Uh, Back to the game, 26-13, Oklahoma State beat Kansas State. It It was a weird game. It was very much a rushing and defense game, which is not something we're used to seeing in the Big 12. We're used to seeing teams just air it out and sling it all over the place. And Spencer Sanders. So Spencer Sanders obviously has a ton of talent. Nobody's going to dispute that. Uh, and he's had a great start to his his redshirt freshman season as the starter at Oklahoma State. This team is 4-1, and one, uh, optimistic about, you know, how much better this team could be going forward. Uh, So Spencer Sanders has been great. But Spencer Sanders is still very raw. I mean, he is a very raw but talented quarterback. Saturday night against Kansas State, he goes 16 of 25, 
for just 153 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, I, I think that the, the, the thing Oklahoma State's passing game is missing is variety. You, you look at the receivers for Oklahoma State on Saturday. Tylen Wallace had a very quiet eight catches for 145 yards. Your second leading receiver, receiver Chuba Hubbard, two catches, seven yards. Stoner had one catch. Logan Carter had the, the three-yard touchdown catch. Jelani Woods caught one little shovel pass, lost two yards on that. Landon Wolf had three catches, but he actually got negative five yards on those three catches. So Oklahoma State's passing game, there's no variety. It it's, it's, goes up the sideline, fades to Tylen Wallace. It's a deep crossing route to Tylen Wallace, and, and that's it. That's the passing game. Where's Dylan Stoner? It's like Dylan Stoner has totally uh, disappeared from the offensive game plan. Stoner's a guy who, you know, on a third and five, Dylan Stoner should be able to line up in the slot and find a, a weak spot in the zone, find the hole in the zone, and sit down and pick up seven yards on third and five. That's what Dylan Stoner has been good at. Get Dylan Stoner involved in, in some jet sweeps, some jet flips. Get the ball into his hand. Get the ball into more guys' hands than just Spencer, Chuba, and Tylen. Look, that, that is quite the three-headed monster. But when you play better teams like Texas, Texas was able to pretty effectively shut down Chuba Hubbard. He still got over 100 yards, but it was quantity over quality last week against Texas for Oklahoma State's running game. The better teams are, are going to be able to identify, okay, all we have to do is stop Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard. Spencer Sandals will run around a little bit, but they've got nothing else they're doing offensively. And that's accurate right now. So I think Oklahoma State is going to have to get some more guys uh, involved as the season goes along offensively. Uh, and then for Spencer Sanders, look, he's a, a redshirt freshman, and Mike Gundy even talked about it after the game on Saturday. He has to get out of the high school mindset of trying to make a play on every single down because sometimes there's not a play to be made. He threw two interceptions on Saturday, and the first one, it, it was a bad one. Uh, I was sitting in the west end zone. I like sitting in the end zone. You can see the plays develop a much better. Much better. You can see the holes uh, break open. I'm not much for sitting on the sidelines because I can't see the plays develop nearly as well. And you could see sitting behind Spencer Sanders. They were going toward Gallagher-Iba Arena. And he's running to his right, and he, you know, into crazy traffic, throws back across his body into the middle of the field, passes intercepted. It allows Kansas State to go down uh, and cut the lead from 17 to 10. At that point, it was 23-13 Oklahoma State after Kansas State went down and scored. Um, th that's just a play that has no business being made. You know, he had another 20 yards before he got to the sideline to scramble. So keep scrambling. See if something comes open downfield. If it doesn't, chuck that thing into the eighth row. I mean, that's a play that doesn't need to be made, and that's a lesson that Spencer Sanders is going to have to learn. The other interception was on a deep ball. He overthrew him the hair, but he's trying to make a play on that one, a play that's there to be made. It was single coverage down the field. He threw it up for grabs. K-State's guy came down with it. That one you can live with a little bit more. But the, the throw across his body over the middle of the field, that's one that has to be cut out because those are mistakes that will get you beat against better teams. I'm Colby Powell. This is the Locked On Pokes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I said we were going to talk a little more about Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, you, you know, when you compare the way he's being used 
by Oklahoma State to the way Justice Hill was used a year ago. Justice Hill was given so few carries early in the season, and Mike Gundy kept chalking it up to, well, we need to keep him fresh. We need to keep him fresh. We don't need him in these games. We need to keep him fresh. And there is no interest in keeping Chuba Hubbard fresh. And look, he's 280 yards ahead of the second leading rusher in the country, J.K. Dobbins. He's nearly at 1,000 yards on pace to have more than 2,500 on the season. Nobody's mad at the way Oklahoma State's using Chuba Hubbard. That being said, I am worried what Chuba Hubbard's going to look like in late October and into November as the season wears on. Touching the ball 30 times a game, you know, 32 against Tulsa, 37 against Texas, 25 carries uh, against against Kansas State on Saturday. And those aren't even touches. Those are just carries. That takes a toll on a guy physically. And, you know, from, from a year ago with Justice Hill not getting enough carries, they're more than making up with it in the way that Chuba Hubbard's being used this season, the amount of times that he's touching the ball. So we'll see how much gas he has left in the tank later in the season. Uh, but he's a phenomenal running back. It, we're, we're probably not ready to have this conversation yet, just five games into the season. Uh, but at some point, we're going to be talking about, is Chuba Hubbard a top three running back ever at Oklahoma State? Is he a top five running back? Obviously, uh, you know, with just the one season as a starter, he doesn't have the longevity, but the numbers that he are, is putting up puts him in elite company in Stillwater. Uh, you know, he rushed for 296 on Saturday. Thurman Thomas never rushed for 296 in a game. I believe his career high was 293. That's off the top of my head. Don't take that to the bank. I believe his career high at Oklahoma State was 293 yards. And Chuba ran for 296 on Saturday. So he's getting himself into some very elite company uh, in Stillwater with what he's doing early in this season. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break, come back on the other side. What's been a big problem for Oklahoma State? Scoring in the red zone. After the break, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State's red zone offense or lack thereof. We're also going to take a look at what happened elsewhere in the Big 12 this past Saturday and how Oklahoma State is stacking up uh, through the first few weeks of the season. Is Oklahoma State the third best team in the Big 12? We talk about all that coming up next here on the Locked On Pokes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Folks podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Wrapping up the first episode here, recapping Oklahoma State's 26-13 win over Kansas State Saturday night in Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. Game that was weather delayed in the second quarter for about, oh, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes or so. Not too bad. Uh, I thought the atmosphere prior to the weather delay was great. It was a packed house, uh, more than 55,000 on hand. After the weather delay, I thought the atmosphere was still good. Uh, obviously, most of the students couldn't be expected to stay and partake in the activities uh, after the delay. Most of them went to get along with their Saturday night. Uh, but most of the non-student crowd uh, stayed and did a pretty good job of keeping Boone Pickett Stadium loud, which the defense clearly fed off throughout the game. All right, let's talk about uh, what everyone knows we need to talk about, but nobody wants to touch it. It's the red zone offense for Oklahoma State. When you look at the struggles that Oklahoma State has had in the red zone, I think a lot of it comes down to just a, a simple lack of creativity in goal-to-go situations. O Oklahoma State gets in goal-to-go situations, 
and I just can't make any sense of what's taking place once they get down there. It's like the first time they get down there, it's a little screen pass that's thrown behind the line of scrimmage, and then it's a run, and then Tylen Wallace lines up at tailback, and Chuba Hubbard gets split out wide, and they hand it to Tylen Wallace as the running back from the five-yard line on third and goal, and he doesn't get in, and you have to settle for a field goal. And look, kicking field goals didn't get you beat against Kansas State. Four field goals Oklahoma State kicked on Saturday night against Kansas State, and it did not get the Cowboys beat. That'll get you beat against good teams. It already got you beat against Texas. You know, you can chalk up red zone offense as the cause for your first loss of the season. Against teams later in the season, Baylor, Iowa State, maybe TCU's looking a little bit better, OU certainly. Against those kind of teams, getting three instead of seven, it's it's not going to be good enough. And look, I understand that throwing a fade is not everyone's favorite thing to do, but Oklahoma State has thrown the fade to elite receivers with as much success as anyone in the country over the last couple decades. Rashawn Woods, Des Bryant, Adarius Bowman, Justin Blackman, James Washington. I'm sure I'm forgetting more. And now you've got Tylen Wallace. Where is the passing game in the red zone? Where is the passing game in goal-to-go situations? You can still throw it when you're in the red zone. The one red zone touchdown Oklahoma State scored on Saturday night, it was a passing touchdown. Play action to Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Logan Carter creeps out the back and ends up catching his second career touchdown. You've got to keep defenses guessing as to what you're going to do when you get down in the red zone and especially when you get down inside the 10-yard line in goal-to-go situations. And Oklahoma State is has been much too reliant on just turning and handing the ball off and trying to power their way into the end zone. It's not working. It worked against Tulsa and McNeese State and Oregon State because those teams aren't good enough up front to stop it. Texas flat out shut it down. Kansas State, for the most part, shut it down in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations. There has to be some creativity whenever Oklahoma State gets down in the red zone. Otherwise, we're going to continue seeing a lot of the same problems that we've seen. Throw the ball to Tylen Wallace when you get down there. Mix it up. Don't let teams... Uh, j- just sit there and know exactly what is coming every single snap when you're in a goal-to-go situation. Uh, all right, I'm Colby Powell. This is the Locked On Pokes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Head over to Twitter, follow me at Colby J. Powell. Uh, I'll be bringing you Oklahoma State coverage every day as we're well into football season now and nearing basketball season. We'll have the spring sports for you as well whenever all that rolls around. So make sure that you listen right here, Locked on Pokes every day, and make sure you subscribe as well. All right, where does Oklahoma State stack up in the Big 12? This past Saturday, uh, look, it's probably higher than we all thought coming into the season. One of the major reasons being Iowa State is a massive, massive disappointment. Like, it has to be one of the most disappointing teams nationally for what they were expected to do and what they've accomplished in the first month of the season as we head into October. Iowa State's won a whole two games. They beat up on, I think it was Louisiana Monroe last week. Their only other win, a triple overtime thriller against Northern Iowa in week one. They then lost to a point by Iowa. They lost Saturday to Baylor 23-21. to They trailed 20 to nothing in that game despite, before, pardon me, roaring back to take a 21-20 lead in the fourth quarter and eventually giving up a late field goal to lose 
by a couple. So Iowa State is falling down the ranks a bit. Baylor is 4-0. Saturday was their first real opponent, and they handled their business 23-21 over Iowa State. So Baylor is certainly right there in the conversation with Oklahoma State uh, to, to be the third best team in the Big 12. A uh, little bit further down, you'd probably find TCU, who beat Kansas 51-14 to on Saturday. Uh, and then Oklahoma beat Texas Tech 55-16 in Norman. That was an 11 o'clock kick on Saturday. Texas Tech will be Oklahoma State's opponent this week prior to the bye week. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech will square off at 11 o'clock in Lubbock on Saturday. Should be a game Oklahoma State can win. Texas Tech looked really bad. Part of that's because OU's playing great football. Part of that is because Texas Tech without Alan Bowman is just absolutely uh, abysmal offensively, really struggling to move the football. So there's a clear there's a clear order at the very top in the Big 12. OU's clearly the best team in the Big 12 until they get knocked off. Texas clearly number two. Hung tight with LSU, has already beaten Oklahoma State, had the bye week this week. Uh, I believe they've got West Virginia this Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's clearly OU and Texas as one and two in the conference. At number three, you can, you can have a pretty good argument between Oklahoma State and Baylor right now. Baylor obviously undefeated, but Oklahoma State's only loss in a close game uh, in Austin against Texas. Baylor with the win over Iowa State. Oklahoma beating Kansas State at home. Those are your you know third and fourth best teams right now in some order in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I would say probably Oklahoma State right now is the third best team in the Big 12 Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, what those guys are doing, and then the way the defense performs Saturday night. I think this team is is getting better uh, and continuing to grow as the season moves forward. Uh, so I think right now Oklahoma State has a strong argument as the third best team in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, all right, this has been a ton of fun. This was the first of many episodes of Locked On Pokes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell. Subscribe to this podcast and listen every single day. We're back tomorrow talking about uh, Big 12 football, Oklahoma State's matchup this weekend with Texas Tech. Probably talk a little college basketball recruiting as well uh, as there were some big recruits in town Saturday for the football game. Mike Boynton doing a great job. Appreciate everyone being with me and listening here to the first episode of the Locked on Pokes podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.